welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the fitness app that turns indoor riding into a game. Explore endless roads, race riders from all over the world, and boost your fitness with monthly training plans and structured workouts. Join the world's training playground where fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Whoa, I'm good. What a day. What a stage we had overnight. What a stage we've got coming. So much to dissect. We've got Plenty to talk about once again. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And then, yeah, you're right. Uh, it was such a great stage mm. to just uh, watch this first mountain stage. We keep saying it over and over again, but this is actually special. First mountain stage that early in the Tour de France. And a little was... bit of nostalgia too, because yeah. it goes back to the 89 TDF, one of my faves. We'll talk a little bit about that a bit later on. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have a special guest waiting for us uh, in uh, the waiting room, uh, in, in our green room. Uh, we, got a waiting room. We, uh, we have a virtual waiting room <laughs> he's making himself himself a coffee you know? good, yeah so we don't have staff in here no, no, right, no, 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 it's, it's sbs after all yeah. you know <laughs> um, but let's talk about the the stage itself and you're right we will go to uh, eight, 1989 uh quite a bit of time for me but we'll uh, we'll talk about all this uh still, 1989 still got some words yeah of course super dominance of super duper jumbo visma tell us what we saw in that stage well we we weren't super surprised, were we? They were a super team on that climb. Uh, Wout van Aert, I thought, was exceptional. He was he was brilliant. He, he literally decimated that field. Sepp Kuss then took over towards the end, set it up for Primoz Roglic, a stage win. Not surprised Roglic won. I actually won him on the tipping comp. I'm pretty happy about that one, I must <laughs> say. So, uh, but no, it was all things considered, it unfolded the way I thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we have a winner, a, a good winner, uh, Roglic. Mm. Uh, you said you've, you've picked him in a tipping competition. Um, I thought it was going to be either way with Roglic because what we were interested to see with Roglic is how well he was, how on yeah. form he is. Uh, first of all, what I let's listen to Primoz Roglic and yeah. we'll debate yeah. about his form. That's Primoz Roglic straight after the uh, stage. A big smile on your face. Uh, the satisfaction, first of all, of, of winning a, a stage. Take us through that uh, final sprint. Uh, yeah, uh, it was quite a fast day, actually. Uh, quite hard. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the guys did again. Really good job. Uh, I was all the time in a good position. And, uh, yeah, at the end, I could do a nice sprint, so very happy. Yeah, the, the you don't get the yellow jersey. Uh, because it'll stay on the, the shoulders of Alaphilippe. Is that good news for the moment? Uh, yeah, it's the news that I have to accept. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, it's just, uh, like I say, again, a nice day. Uh, we stay safe. Uh, at the end, we even win, so even better. So, uh, yeah, we, we have to continue like that. He doesn't care if Alaphilippe keeps the yellow or not. Uh, I'm pretty sure, actually, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, at the moment, it's stage four. Remember, it's stage four. It's, an, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Mountaintop finish, and we're already dissecting the, the GC players. So, uh, no, all in all, faultless stay by uh, Jumbo Visma. And they didn't have to sit on the front 
or yeah. die because the kind of quick step did that. Is Alaphilippe uh, seizing the occasion of to be the convenience yellow? Because he, then he can actually release the pressure from all the others, but then he's profiting the, from the fact that he might keep yellow for a few days. He's going to keep it for a little while, isn't he? Uh, he's replicating last year, that's for sure. He's already showing that he's got the form. You're giving away the next year. segment. You're giving away the next segment. Yeah, well, come on, lead, lead it's live. It's live. Yeah. We can't go back. Now let's let's carry on on on, uh, on Jumbo Visma because uh, you selected this young man, oh, yes. Van Aert, as yeah. your uh, rider of the day. So the orange jersey is Wood Van Aert. It, it was a toss-up, by the way. It was either Remy Cavagna because I thought he did a mountain of work yeah. for the kind of quick step, but Van Aert was just, wow. Yeah. He was good on that climb. Absolutely. So Jumbo Visma, they're looking good. You, you know what I'm what blows me away, though, you somehow get the right jersey size for them every day. Every <laughs> but, day you got the right jersey size. Do you know what? how you do it? I, well, look at the size. You guys are all the same size. You know, <laughs> you know, it's one size fit all for you guys. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anyway, we can debate. Actually, some some riders are bigger than others. Mm. But uh, what I wanted to say, actually, on that finish is how easy Roglic looked. Uh, and we can debate this, but I think he, I'm not going to say he didn't break a sweat, but he popped them like this and he, he didn't go full gas. Well, he went full gas to win at the end. Well, yeah, but he no. went full gas to win at the end, and he gapped them there. But the other side of that, to me, the stage was harder than the climb, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was a really fast-ridden stage. It was tough. A lot of riders said it. Once they hit the climb, the climb, I don't think decimated the field as much as we thought it might have. Uh, and it's early days. Riders have still got fresh legs, so it's still early days. As good as Roglic is going, I keep saying wait for the third week because look at Egan Bernal last yeah. year in that third week. It was literally in the last four days when Egan Bernal won the tour. So let's just, you know, let's just keep a lid on it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Philippe replicates. You know, we are, I'm quite happy about mm. it. I'm quite, mm. I'm quite chirpy about it. He's this. good. He, 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 as you said, you were right. He didn't have the gas to get rid of. Uh, or to get onto Roglic's wheel in that sprint finish. And I thought he might have out-sprinted Roglic. However, he still held on to yellow on a summit finish. So he's going pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's listen to uh, Julien Alaphilippe. Uh, quite happy with his yellow jersey. Yeah, it's it's uh, really a nice feeling, you know, to to stay, uh, to stay in yellow. My team did uh, an incredible job today to, to control the race and... Uh, to put a hard tempo until the, the last climb and uh, I did uh, everything to try to to keep the jersey and to win the stage at the, at the same time but uh, no, I have no regret because uh, it was too, too hard for me in the, the last meters and uh, yeah, I'm just happy to to be in yellow again for tomorrow and uh, again thank you to all my team. Yeah, you're in the same time as all the best. Is, are you surprised by that? Ah, it's, it's a nice feeling, you know, to, to feel like that. To be with the best rider uh, on a, such a, an art stage, but uh, yeah, I continue to take day after day. Jour après jour, merci. Merci. Go. Uh, first of all, you same time as all the best. Excuse me, he's part of all the best. He's not same time as oh, all the best. Here we go. Here we go. The well, yes, look. Come on, let's let's get, not be pedantic. Yeah, okay, okay. You know what? He's wearing a French. He's wearing a French <laughs> he's got scarf, the scarf on. on again. People, how much longer are we going to have to put up with this? I can't I put know. it here. <laughs> the scarf is a nice touch. I must say, I like it. I do like it. I like him. That's no, okay. Come on, moving along. Moving, moving on. on. Uh, let's talk about uh, the OSDs and Richie Port. Now, uh, now, now we're on a topic I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, Richie Port is doing well. He's good. 
he's good. And look, he's sort of under the radar a little bit, if we can say that. He uh, That GC group, it went from 35 riders the day before. There was only 16 in the front group at the end. Richie was there. So he's on the same time. He's 17 seconds in arrears, but he's eliminated, or at least he's got rid of a few other players. And so too, his teammate, Boko Molomart, was in that front group. So good day for Trek Segafredo. Absolutely. Uh, let's listen to a Richie Port straight off the bus. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, I think Barker and I were still up there with the main guys. Uh, the team did a great job today. Mads uh, was exceptional and uh, yeah, put us in a good position. It's uh, nice to get through it and uh, it's finally nice to get some good weather. Uh, the, the last kilometre really hurt, but uh, you know, it wasn't a real climb to the finish there. It was a bit, uh, you know, the sort of four or five percent, which really hurt. Um, when you get GC guys up there sprinting like that, it's quite messy, but it was a good stage to tick off. There we go. Uh, good sh- good yeah, stage to good tick songs. off. And he, he seemed pretty uh, relaxed, didn't he? Well, yeah. That's good. That's good. Keep it up, Richie. Absolutely. Uh, and then, of course, Caleb won yes, uh, the day before. Uh, we'll have a talk about the tipping competition, but there's another day where he can actually do something mm. tonight. Yes. Uh, Caleb. So, uh, it's pretty good going. Two Aussies. Only two Aussies. They're, pretty they're chirpy and, and, yeah. a, and a French yellow jersey, yeah. so we're happy. We're happy. Uh, well, I am happy. <laughs> uh, let's have a listen also to Pogacar, because Pogacar... He had a good uh, day. He had a good day. Yeah. And I know he's one of your favourite uh, riders, actually, for this year. Yep. You like him. Oh, uh, he's, he's quite impressive. He's, yeah, he's just a dynamite, isn't he? How yeah. do you think he went on this uh, stage? I think he went good. I mean, he was right there. He just couldn't follow again. He was another one that just couldn't follow Roglic in that last kick, but he was good. Uh, let's let's have a look at uh, what Pogacar, how he felt in that age. Yeah, it was, uh, for me, it was quite easy climb. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you are naughty. You are naughty. Oh, you can't do that. Is that you what you, that's all you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a five minute interview. That was a five minute interview, and you have just chopped it down to. <laughs> Two seconds. The climb was easy. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> that is hilarious. Why make you laughing? Oh, that is great. I love it. I love it. Look, we like to have fun, and, and it's not disrespecting. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. It's not disrespect, disrespecting Tadej Pogacar. No, <laughs> don't you love it? A twenty-odd year old. Yeah, the climb was pretty easy. Yeah, and then walks <laughs> off. <laughs> Nothing else to say. Absolutely. Uh, we promised you. So that was that was stage uh, four of the Tour de France, and then uh, uh, we will talk about stage five in a second. But that stage four finished uh, on the mountain top at where was it? Orsier. You practiced. Orsier. I just, no, roll off the tongue, mate. Roll off the tongue. After my croissant this morning. Uh, let's talk about the importance of Orsia Merlet in the Tour de France uh, with the man, the legend, I call this. It's Rupert Guinness. How are you, Rupert? I'm really good, thanks, Christophe. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, for joining us. Uh, we mentioned the fact that uh, Orsia Merlet was featured the last time, I think, was in 1989. And then who was there? You were there. Yeah, that was uh, my third Tour de France. And um, certainly seeing those images of Orsia Merlet... Uh, Overnight uh, brought back a lot of good memories of what was a, a fabulous tour, and uh, and that particular stage um, was a mountain time trial that went from Gap to Orsia Millet, and uh, a very significant stage as well. Roop, um, you've covered more Tour de France's than any other Australian journalist, reporter. You even topped Tomo, in fact. What back back in those days, and you've told me a couple of stories from those early years, but the access you had 
to some of the pro riders was incredible. Like you'd be able to sit on the side of the road and interview them for sort of 20, 30 minutes immediately after the stage, which we just don't get that opportunity nowadays, do we? No, no, exactly. It's completely changed. I mean, even if you take away the uh, the protocols that have been put in place because of COVID, Macca, uh, you know, it, it was still poles apart to what it was uh, uh, of what used to be the, you know, the grand adventure in many ways. Uh, you know, I still have a photo of me sitting, sitting in a gutter, you know, with Stephen Roach. I've been sitting in gutters with Alan Piper, Phil Anderson, and... Uh, um, maybe that's the nature of me, just liking gutters. But anyway, it's a convenient <laughs> place. And, you know, in those days, the teams uh, would just turn up to the stage start in their team cars, four or five of them cramped into a car, and then they just have to get ready uh, by the side of the car where they uh, mingled with fans and media. And in many ways, that's how relationships sort of developed because they had to put up with all those people around and they learned how to um, communicate with people they like to communicate. And that sort of created their own little... Uh, I guess, barrier for, the, for themselves. At least they had people they were happy to talk to around them rather than people they didn't want to talk to. So it sort of sorted itself out pretty well. But uh, obviously the buses arrived in the uh, early 90s and uh, that was a major shift in the, uh, in the gameplay for relations between media and uh, the fans and the riders and teams. And uh, obviously, uh, sadly, we have the COVID situation now, which has created even more stringent measures. Question I've got for you, though. Were you wearing Hawaiian shirts as well already in 1989? 1989 was just on the cusp of my uh, fashion change. Um, <laughs> I, might have had, I might have had one. I might have had one. And uh, it was certainly before uh, – I was wearing them before, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the internet, uh, the, the World Wide Web. See, I can hardly say that now. World Wide Web. <laughs> and it was before uh, laptops with, uh, with you know, with uh, – Uh, trans, you know, the modems came on board because I had one. Uh, my, I remember my first one, and it was just such a convenient, comfortable, light uh, top to wear and uh, easy to wash. I didn't wash it that many times, to be honest, but easy to wash if I had to. And certainly, it was a, it was a, a, a it actually had some practicality because people could see the Hawaiian shirts in a day when we didn't have mobile phones and obviously having to rush to your team, or not team car, to your media car if people wanted to see where you were. Uh, they could see something, uh, you know, Hawaiian flashing in the distance, and that was a get-up call for me. Or they could send me a get-up call to uh, to hurry up. You you got him captured at the the laundry uh, the laundry bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all we all know about the laundry on the tour. I've got a quick question, actually. Uh, certainly, you mentioned that you've saw the whole media landscape change. Therefore, what you've been writing about. That had to change before people could wait for the newspaper to come the next day uh, or to watch the highlight. Uh, but now it's all instant. It needs to be now, now, now. So therefore, when you're at the tour, how do you relay those stories differently? Your, your job has completely changed. Yeah, well, I think, I think certainly as, as a print journalist, or I guess you, can we say print journalist, um, as, a, as, a, as a writing journalist, um, I think your, your job out on the tour now is not about uh, the stage reports. It's not about... Um, the necessarily about the uh, the immediate quotes they have to they get disseminated so quickly you go to a team bus and uh, the media person of that team has already recorded what you've just asked and it's been relayed back to a press room of 500 journalists and it's already out on the internet before you've even got back to your desk to start typing them up so uh, in many ways you have to think about what you're seeing you're there on on the on site you're there seeing the riders get off their bikes you hear the little things that they say you see the Sometimes it's the body action that tells more than what the words do. And I think uh, that's what journalists have to do now uh, is to be on the ground and provide an edge of difference to all the other reporting that's there. So that's really the main mission, I think, of each day. If you can come back with something that's 
yours, yours alone from an insight. It could be, um, it could be an exclusive quote, about which could become a news story, or it could be your analysis of something that you've seen um, from the privilege or, or the access that you've had, uh, which is becoming rarer behind the scenes. Roop, uh, as I said, you've, you've seen so many Tour de France's worked on so many, and you talk about the body language sometimes tell the bigger picture. So what are you taking away so far? Four days in, you're on, we're all back here in Australia mm. from afar. What's your take on the race so far? A little bit of touch on the Aussies as well, Caleb, obviously, and, and Richie, but what's your takeaway? What And what do you think might happen in the next sort of few stages? Well, I think notwithstanding that, uh, you know, because, you know, like you guys, you know, we're not there and you, and you do miss out on the nuances, the subtle nuances that come through living and breathing the tour and being on site. But from being a, a half a world away, um, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised with how the tour has unfolded so far. You know, I think uh, with or without COVID, I think that the race pattern would have unfolded as it has because we've had the early mountains in there, which would have suited the likes of the riders we've seen, Alaphilippe. I don't think it's a surprise. Um, mm. uh, with a view to uh, Caleb, I think what we're seeing a big difference with Caleb uh, this year already is his assuredness as a leader of that team. And uh, obviously his three stage wins last year were really important from the sheer relief, the sheer joy. And also it was, uh, it was reassurance for the team. And uh, those guys, they, they absolutely believe in, in Caleb. And I think how you saw that, how he, you know, weaved his way through that uh, bunch sprint the other day, um, that was a much a sign of, of measured control and assuredness at 68.5 kilometres per hour, as much as you can have that. Um, that I, was I one think, of the best, wasn't it? His yeah, stage it was wins. beautiful. It was, it was, it was yeah. basically um, art on wheels, really. Yeah. You know, 68 and a half kilometres, Picasso, really. And I think... Um, <laughs> and I think uh, uh, with Richie, um, I think uh, you were saying earlier, Maka, I think he's uh, uh, he looks really healthy just looking at those images there when he was talking. He looks fresh. He doesn't have that haggard look. Okay, it's four days in, but, you know, it's mm. been a pretty testing um, period when they've come out of a, a lockdown, a limited preparation, and now they're shifting into high-speed hard racing. I think Richie looks pretty very well controlled. It was interesting in the stage today. Uh, he is a person of small stature. And he does get lost in a peloton, but you really didn't see him until uh, I guess when that last you know acceleration came at the, in the last kilometre and a half. You could see Richie obviously um, you know digging into to stay on there. And to be fair to Richie, he's not a sprinter. That definitely wouldn't have suited him that style of finish. No. You know, the, I shouldn't say that was a sprint. Well, it was a sprint between some big GC guys, and Roglic does have that that punch and horsepower to do that. And as Richie did say, I think the steeper, longer climbs. With, with steeper finishes will suit him better. And I think he, the way he's going now, he's, uh, he's not wasting energy. He's racing smart. He's racing confident. And you know what? He's happy. Um, and mm. that's a major thing. If you can stay, you know, Mac, if you can stay happy each day in a Grand Tour, you're actually achieving something in itself. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, you're hitting it on the head yeah. there, Rube. Yeah, I think we yeah. all know that, don't we? It's a tough uh, three-week journey. To to conclude this uh, this chat, um, Rupert, what do you make of the younger generation, the Pogacar, the you know all these guys that are almost finding it too easy, like we just said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know these guys. You know they, they're coming here, and then it's almost. I mean, I disrespected Pogacar as a joke, but it's almost they are disrupting the peloton. What do you make of that? Have you seen this before? Yeah, no, I've seen younger generations come through. And uh, I guess maybe it's because of age. The older you get, the quicker they seem to be coming through. And uh, that happens in all industries, <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> Just look over your shoulder there, Christoph. You never know who's coming. <laughs> no, I think, I think it is. Um, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what uh, on first sight is, is a name. 
um, and then suddenly you see a performance and a result and the uh, the basic premise again of one of the premises of being a journalist finding out who this person is and um, you know uh, some people have more personality and character they express themselves differently some people express themselves totally on the performance uh, for which they're uh, primarily paid for which is to race a bike um, either way I think it's a, it's a great um, uh, generation coming through and I do you know, I wonder if between them and the generations, they feel that they're feeding off each other as well. Um, it's certainly hard for the elder riders in the peloton, uh, particularly some who are coming off contract, uh, which um, which is where another thing, happy to see Richie riding so well, he is off contract. Um, but I think um, uh, everybody knows as an athlete, you're, you're only uh, one performance away from a potentially career-ending uh, uh, mishap. Um, or a career-defining success. And uh, when you see a bunch of young guys like this wave coming through, uh, you certainly want to get that success sooner than later. And maybe just to conclude, actually, we, we just want to come back to 1989. Yeah. Uh, it's a very big sticking point for me because uh, it's probably <laughs> one of my first disappointments as a young boy in terms of sports. Yeah, yeah. actually for cycling. Yeah, But uh, how important was that time trial between Lemon and uh, Fignon back in yeah. 1989? Did you know at that time when, you know, Lemon... Uh, it was stage 15. Yeah, yeah. stage 15. Yeah. Did you know that was one of the pivotal time of the of that Tour de France? Certainly did, because obviously we were not going to be able to uh, predict the outcome uh, where Le Mans beat Fignon on the final time trial in Paris the way that he did. But um, uh, that was like about the fourth uh, time uh, on, on the stage 15 time trial to Orsier Merlet. Um, uh, Le Mans took back the, uh, the yellow jersey and he came fifth in that time trial won by Stephen Rooks. Um, he managed to gain a 47-second advantage on, on Fignon um, over that. And then um, what was unfolding there was an incredibly fantastic duel all the way from the start to the finish. And, a, and another player in that tour is Pedro Delgado, who botched up his prologue and lost 2 yeah. minutes and 48 seconds. And after this time trial, his GC place was 2 minutes and 48. So that was always lingering as another story of that lost time in the beginning and, uh, and it showed how Delgado was still very much physically in the fray there, and he ended up coming third in the tour. But as much as, you know, like Le Mans' eventual win in Paris was obviously fantastic, and everyone talks about Le Mans and how he won that tour, but that tour would not have been the same without Laurent Fignon. Um, he, he was a very special person. He was a classy person, um, and he was a fabulous guy to interview. I know that, you know, firsthand. And uh, he always gave really good insights into, into what he thought. If he, if he gave you an interview... It wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to waste time. He was going to talk about something important. And, um, you know, they used to call him Le Professeur, uh, obviously because he wore his he stereotype because he wore his glasses, he had his ponytail. But, you know, uh, rest in peace, Laurent. You know, yeah. when he's no longer there with us now. And I think he's, uh, um, he's very much a large part of the heart and soul of the Tour de France, and not just because he's French, because... He's, yeah, uh, and that was 10 years ago, not so long ago, like a couple of days ago, we celebrated uh, or commemorated, I should say, the, the 10 years of his passing. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I just think, um, you know, as much as people, you know, studied Le Mans, and in, you know, Greg Le Mans was a fantastic writer and a, and a, a character as well, and equally as giving of, of, of uh, his insights as well. But they too very much go hand in hand, and uh, their differences really made them um, and the Tour de France very much this very special event for me that was my third tour and it was uh, an absolute memorable one not just because of the result but how lauren um raced how he took on le Mans, and when he was when he fell over when he collapsed on the uh on the cobblestones there in despair and he 
like a, like in the embryo position. Um, oh, it was it was awful to, to see, um, and I don't think just the French felt for him either. I think uh, a lot of people felt for him, and uh, his popularity in many ways and in, in respect people had for him, uh, I think, grew after that day as well. Yeah, I mean, there was this comment that uh, Kino made uh, made in the, the broadcast, which actually was relayed a lot on the French media. But uh, when he was uh, at functions after it, when Fignon was uh, pointed out saying, "Hey, aren't you the guy that lost the tour by eight uh, eight seconds?" He used to answer, "No, I'm the guy that won two two tour the front and walked away." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and that was the man. That's why he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> lovely word for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have one last question, actually, not not yeah. to uh, not, not like. That's jumping three, in that's three last I questions. know but you know people are still yeah. sending questions so I'm actually reading the questions uh, but this one you, you're, I, you're a big hit group We're getting you on. this is way but, over time actually you guys you can talk very quickly about this but uh, a question here from Gareth how Rupert pulled up after Ram and the mental mind ride I mean it's been a little while now uh, are you are you okay how was it yeah and how yeah, are you I, now I, I, I came up uh, I came out of it after I recovered I came out of it stronger uh, than when I started um the only physical damage was, you know, I had my left hand nerves weren't working so well. They're getting better, but I can't really move my fingers very well. Um, but I came out of it physically stronger and uh, mentally I'm still uh, still there, I think, all the same as I was before. That could be good or bad. But uh, that's, that's, yeah. This is a bit of a sledge because Rube actually smashed me and here he is coming in. Oh, I come out okay. Hurt my hand. Yeah, no. You took two weeks off. You did that deliberately. <laughs> Rube, I, I was comatosed in bed for a week. My wife had to, you know, feed me two-minute noodles just to get me back upright. <laughs> well, you know what the secret is? You know, I'm, you know I love my rosé. I was a picking rosé straight, straight up to the night night before VRAM. And uh, I can tell you what, straight within five seconds, I think there's some video of me. I'm already slamming the champagne. Then I went to rosé and beer back to Rosé, and then it was 4.30 in the morning on a Monday morning. So um, I went straight back to my usual preparation program. Uh, but I'm all, I'm all set. I'm already back in training for, for – hopefully we can get to America next year for, for the real yes. race across America, and, uh, and uh, that's what I'd love to do. If we can't get there, I do have another plan up my sleeve. Um, All right, keep me in the loop on how later. No. And, and we said we said this with Tomo that uh, Tomo and I will be in the van following you guys. Yeah, happy yeah, to Christoph, do that. Christoph <laughs> wants to be part of the, the crew. All right, I think we need. To, yeah, yeah, okay. We need to move on. <laughs> Thanks, Rupert. It was awesome to have you. you great. Thank you for having me, guys. Take it easy. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Rupert. Cheers. The man, the legend. Uh, That's what is going to be and said. Yeah. Such lovely words. Uh, I know we love to have a lot of fun here, but really lovely words about Laurent Fignon. Yeah. And just his insight, Rupert's insight. You know. To be to be able to say I was at that yeah. 1989 Tour de France is incredible because uh, still to this day it's one of the greatest, wasn't it? And he's still pinch. I'm oh, telling you, oh, I still, he still pinches over and over yeah. and over. I know. I think I've got the link on YouTube uh, as a favorite yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Just it's so painful, <laughs> you know. Uh, send us your comments. <laughs> Send us your comments and your questions. Of course, uh, we'll have a look at them uh, and reply if we can. Uh, let's look ahead now because this podcast is uh, nearly the end of it. Stage five. What's up for Ooh, stage five? Because can you believe it already? Stage five. I know. What are we? A quarter? Is that right? Uh, we are quarter, yes, yeah, 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 roughly, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I had to quickly do the math, mm. and it's easy math, but I'm I'm mm. not that quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, we said this to the front, and we repeat that it's going to be uh, it, it's a quirky. Uh, sort of Tour de France between mountains and sprint, um, sprint stages. Yesterday, we had the first mountain top finish, and then tonight, we got a sprint stage. We have, but we start in Gap. Gap yeah. is, you know, right at the heart of the Alps, isn't it? Uh, famous finish town, start town. 
So, but then we finish in is it Privas or Priva? Uh, this is one of these city where actually everybody's correct and everybody's wrong because I, I've got no idea. Uh, it's probably there's probably a, there's probably a regional. No, no, like, like, <laughs> let me clarify this. There's probably a regional aspect where they say Priva. And then there's the Parisian aspect where we say Privas. Oh, so you butcher it up north. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. It's I, like the chocolatine or, or pan au chocolat. There's no chocolatine. There's only pan au chocolat. Pan au That's chocolat. <laughs> so the snobbery and the butchering up in up northern, northern France. Okay. You got France, mate. You've been there <laughs> a lot, you know. Uh, so I don't know. I'm sorry, well, I don't know. I'm going to go with Priva. <laughs> Flat-ish stage. It's going to be a sprint. I Is think it, it will. I think yeah. it will. Well, no, it will definitely be a sprint stage. The big question mark we have the last kilometer just goes up. I've read a few of the reviews, and I'm thinking someone like Sagan, maybe Giacomo Giacomo Nizzolo, the Italian. He's he's been in great form. Trentin. This will suit him more. Trentin possibly. Trentin. Um, so I think Caleb as well. But I'm just not convinced how hard or how easy this final little pinch is up to the finish. And there's a couple of little pinches before that as well. So it's going to be a really solid running and a deserving winner either way. Absolutely. And then there's a question here from Scott. Uh, thoughts on uh, Mitchelton Scott with Yates and Chavez, uh, both in the main group. And they, you know, are they still hunting GC? Uh, this is actually a good question because that leads up to something we want to play uh, mm. for you but, uh, on how this Tour de France has been uh, different to any other Tour de France. Uh, some riders don't like it, but some Riders like it, and Chavez is one of them. And but it's not surprising to see him at that level. No, it's not. It's not. Um, and to answer that question, uh, Mitchell and Scott had said they're not here for GC, so they've taken the pressure off. And that's that's not a decoy. They they absolutely mean that. However, when you've got Yates and Chavez can ride in the front group, why wouldn't you? So they don't have to wear that pressure of putting the team on the front for them, like the Koenig Quickstep did yesterday which is smart. They can fend for themselves. If they can ride front group, they will. And if they can't, then in some ways that'll be good because it will mean they can go for stages later on, get in a breakaway per se. And if they keep riding front group as this race progresses, well, anything is possible. So for Mitchell and Scott, once again, it's a master stroke. And I truly mean that. It's not being biased. It is, it's actually a really smart move. Absolutely. Let's listen to uh, Esteban Chavez. Uh, he likes that kind of uh, tour de France. Actually, I prefer start a grand tour like this and i hope the organization of the tour de france keep doing like that way because when you have 10 or 11 days just dead flat two guys in the breakaway headwind you know i think it's not not that nice there's a lot of stress and always you want to be in the front but in this way just account the legs and your performance and i prefer start that way like sometimes doing the Volta España or the giro d'italia so I, I prefer that way and show a straight, straight where you are or how is your performance. So, yeah, he, yeah. Prefers, he prefers it. It's simple. Like, and, and, and it's backed up. Proof is in the pudding. Both yeah. riding on a bunch of time. They were in that group of 16. Yates looked really good, obviously, on stage two. Chavez, I mean, you could sort of say he's a bit like Richie. He's slid under the radar at the moment. So that's perfect for them. Yeah, absolutely. Last question we've got here are from Frank Mattison. Could this be a stage for Christoph? Alexander Christoph. Yeah. Uh, Not for me, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. One word answer. <laughs> uh, definitely Alexander Christoph. Yeah. I mean, look, he surprised us all, didn't he, on, on that opening road stage. Uh I'm just not sure he can go with them. It, it, three, four years ago, yes, I'd say this the finish suits him more than others. 
But he's, you know, he's not, he hasn't got that punch, even though he did win that first stage. But it'd be great to see, wouldn't it? 33 years of age. Uh, he wound back the clock, so why can't he do it again? There you go, um, Frank, you got your answer here. Uh, last question. Will this man, I'm going to hold it right, still be in yellow tonight? Now that I can confidently say yes, yes. Philippe, they should have a... He's listening. ...relatively... <laughs> You know, cruisy day. They'll ride tempo for a bit. They'll let a break go. The sprinters' teams will take over, so De Koenig won't have to sit on the front all day. And if this finish climb, the harder it is, the better it will suit Philippe to maybe go for a stage win. I don't think it will be hard enough for him, but you never, ever know. Absolutely. Okay, that was a great show, Michael. That was a great show. Now, who's cleaning the green room? Because, you know, Rupert... And it's no disrespect <laughs> against you, Rupert, if you're still watching. But all journalists, they just trash the place. So he would have left his dirty nah. coffee cup, etc. So I think it's your turn to clean. Is it my turn? Okay. Well, thank you for uh, tuning in, guys. Remember, thank you, you can uh, uh, download or stream this podcast if you want it on audio uh, on your uh, on our website, sbs.com.au slash central. You can, of course, also uh, log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until the next episode, which will be same place, same time. So 1 p.m. on the SBS Cycling Central, SBS Cycling uh, Socials. It's Bye for now. Ciao. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the fitness app that turns indoor riding into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. All you need is a bike, a trainer, and the Zwift app, and you're ready to go. Explore endless roads, race riders from all over the world, and boost your fitness with monthly training plans and structured workouts. Join the world's training playground where fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial.